episode 23 of the Press Pass podcast presented by the Press Republican. Sports editor Joey LaFranca here with you. And today we have a guest, Plattsburgh State baseball coach Chris Dory. Chris, how are you? I'm doing great, Joey. How are you? Not too bad. Happy to have you on the podcast. Um, it was fun uh, for people who might, you know, they actually are definitely not going to know. I just texted Chris the other day. I said, hey, do you want to come on the pod? And he's like, yeah, sure, absolutely. So he was all excited to come on and we're happy to have him. And you're only the second guest. You were second only to Mike Blaine. That's unbelievable. I've been waiting. How many episodes did you say? 23 and 20, Mike Blaine got on before me? Yes, this is the Jordan episode. Oh, my <laughs> Lord. This is I've the fallen for sure. Yes, no, for sure. I, 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 well, Mike had to come on because he had to talk about the food brackets, which I'm sure you probably oh, looked right. at a little bit. Right. So yeah, he was, yeah. he was really into that. But no, we're happy to have you on today, and uh, we're going to talk with Chris about a lot of different things. We're going to talk about Plattsburgh State baseball, um, what's kept him busy during the pandemic, talk about the Clinton County Mariners a little bit, and a couple other things North North Country sports related. But Chris, first of all, go ahead and kind of just introduce yourself. Tell the people who Chris Dory is. Uh, I, I hate to actually talk about myself. So uh, <laughs> I'm from Peru. You know, I, I'm a, a native of the North Country. So uh, I feel very comfortable talking about the North Country. I graduated from Peru in 1991, uh, spent a year and a half at Clinton Community College and then transferred to Stony Brook, uh, played at Stony Brook, coached at Stony Brook for three years, uh, moved out to Illinois and coached out at McMurray College for four years. And then uh, uh, in the fall of 2001, well, that would have been the spring of 2001, the opportunity to interview here for a, a, the restarted baseball program came up and uh, it, the opportunity to come home was something that I, I definitely wanted to to take and uh, got lucky enough to make it through that pool of candidates and uh, start the baseball program here. But uh, that's it's hard to believe. That seems like yesterday to me. I can remember calling Sean Cotter, who was the chair of that committee, and just trying to find out where they were in the process so I could let my McMurray College know what was going on. And uh, it was 20 years ago. Um, you know, so time really does fly. I mean, now I'm, I'm married with uh, two kids. You know, I got Michelle, my wife, uh, who played basketball here at Plattsburgh State. Um, and then uh, a 16-year-old son, Brady, and a 13-year-old daughter, Ava, who go to Saranac. There we go. So we can get right into stuff now pretty much. And the first thing that I wanted to kind of talk about, and, you know, we've talked about a little bit in the past, but I feel like it'll be interesting to talk about a little bit more was last year at Plattsburgh State when sports first go on hold, you know, you've been at this for a long time and the pandemic brings the season to a halt and kind of just run us through what that was like having sports. You just had the season. Correct me if I'm wrong. You had four games you played, I think, right? And yeah, then two weekends. Yep. So you had four games and then boom, season's over. But run us through what the emotions was like, what the emotions were like as far as the season being canceled. And, you know, you just had the season started. You were feeling good about things, excited to get the season underway. And then boom, it's all it's all comes to an end real quick. Yeah. I mean, just just you talking about it just brought a little tingle down me, you know, and it's, <laughs> it's just uh I can remember uh, we we played the, the weekend. The last weekend we played, we played the college in New Jersey. And uh, they, uh, New Jersey schools were just told that they couldn't shake hands and stuff. So we weren't allowed to shake their hands after the game. And then the next day we played Farmingdale down on Long Island. And, uh, you know, I've known those guys, I've known Coach Osick and, and Coach Caden for 20 plus years. And, uh, you know, we, we weren't allowed to shake hands. The kids weren't allowed to, to say hi. You know, we have a lot of Long Island kids on the team. So 
lot of friends playing against each other when we play Farmingdale. Um, but they couldn't say hi to, you know, they could say hi, but they couldn't go shake hands or do right. anything like that. Um, you know, we play the game, we win the game, we drive home, we get home and, and all of a sudden things start happening. You know, you, you see somebody cancel on Monday, somebody on Tuesday says they're not going to Florida. Somebody on Wednesday says they're not going to Florida. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, uh, we're planning, our softball team is planning to fly out on Thursday. The baseball team is planning to fly out on Friday. And we've got to get all of these things uh, in order and figure out what we're going to be able to do. And, you know, we, I can remember sitting in meetings upstairs in the conference room, uh, just, you know, with myself, Mike Howard, uh, Melissa Lemire, Jason Pactor, our trainer, uh, just trying to figure out what was going to be allowed, what wasn't going to be allowed. Uh, both of us, uh, baseball and softball were flying. Could we take buses at that point? Nobody really knew, you know, could we just take buses sure. and, and deal with it that way? Uh, because there were a whole bunch of teams already in Florida playing and, 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 uh, dealing with that. And then you had, uh, our two lacrosse coaches, uh, Joe May at the time and Julie Decker, uh, were in there and trying to figure out what they were going to be able to do for spring break. And then, uh, we left here on Wednesday at three o'clock and we thought we had it all figured out. Everybody was going to be able to hop on a bus and go because that's what we had planned. Right. Uh, we come back Thursday morning at 9 a.m. And, and we're meeting because the softball team, I believe, is leaving at like noon. Uh, so every one of their kids is in the locker room with their stuff packed and they're ready to go. And they have not played a game yet. I know. They're ready to go to Florida and get their season started. Uh and we, we talked about it. We had it all meshed out. And eventually it just got to, uh, I can remember sitting upstairs. Uh, my friend Rick Cole is the athletic director at Hofstra. And uh, he sent me a text message. Uh, men's basketball tournament just got canceled. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I said to Mike Howard, I said, Mike, if they're canceling the men's basketball tournament, I'm pretty sure we're going to get canceled. <laughs> so uh, we made that decision as a department that the spring trip was going to be canceled. And that's all we knew at that time. So felt bad for uh, Brianna Furchin, who had, who was our brand new softball coach, had to go downstairs and tell her team, hey, our spring trip just got canceled. Um, you know, Joe May and Julie, uh, they had come in. The women's lacrosse team, I think, was 3-0 and or 4-0, and so they were excited. Yeah. Uh, but their spring trip was going to be canceled. or their, Whatever they were doing over spring break was going to get canceled. And then... For us, you know, I had to call our guys in and say, hey, we're going to have a new, well, we were going to practice at noon. So they were going to be in the building at noon, uh, came downstairs. And I said, Mike, you got to tell them because I'll break down if, if I tell them. <laughs> right. And, uh, and Mike went in. We all went in together. But, you know, Mike told them. And, yeah, that, that's a tough thing. You know, the, the spring trip is always something that the kids look forward to. It's it's baseball weather. It's softball mm-hmm. weather. Um, you know, you don't have to worry about any school or anything like that. You just really get to play your game and hang out and uh you know for the seniors it's a terrible break um because you know that's what they want to do at that point they thought they were still going to have a season um you know so whatever another week goes by and uh all of a sudden spring sports just get kiboshed and uh and you know looking back on it i guess rightfully so um but at the time you don't know that and you just my heart broke for the seniors. We had eight seniors on the team last year and your heart breaks for those kids whose career all of a sudden is ended and it's not anything that they were able to control. Um, 
you know, so you just kind of, you deal with it. You, you, you pat them on the back, but you don't get to recognize them. They don't get to play. Uh, that is probably the most, last spring's probably the most heartbreaking thing that has happened to me. You know, as I get older, it's more important than the games. Mm -hmm. uh, those, those seniors not being able to play their season. Right on the flip side of things now, as far as this year moving forward, still a lot left to be determined, you know, but at the same time, we're not really that far away from when baseball would potentially actually start, which in a, in a certain way I'm sure is exciting. In another way, you have to kind of keep that excitement back a little bit because you still don't know exactly what's going to be happening. But say the season does get underway, um, we can talk about some positive stuff here. What makes you excited about this year's team that you could potentially have and being on the field? Sure. Uh, yeah, you know, we, we don't really know what's going on. I mean, if we play a season this year, it'll be unlike any season we've ever had. Right. Um, you know, it'll probably be conference games. Most leagues right now are going to just conference games only because you can control, you know, who you're playing against and, you know, who's tested and things of that nature. Um, and we're hoping that, that we get some sort of uh, conference season and conference tournament. And, and we've had a couple of variations. I know there's a lot of talks going on about spring sports especially since spring sports did get canceled last year. So mm -hmm. there, I know the leadership does want spring sports, uh, the leadership at SUNY, uh, but we'll see what happens. I mean, you, you know, they don't control what's going on either. Um, our 2021 team. Yeah, we are. I mean, we're really excited about the 2020 team because we had those eight seniors, the 2021 team we're really excited about because of the newcomers that we brought in. Uh, my assistant coach, Sam Quinn, ha has done a great job. Um, you know, the, we brought in a few transfers that we have high expectations for. Uh, Lucas Rodriguez is, uh, is a pitcher from SUNY Orange at, that is going to be in the front of our rotation. You know, we brought in a, a middle of the lineup right fielder, uh, Dylan Riley from SUNY Ulster. Uh, we were able to get uh, Andrew V, who uh, we recruited his brother, you know, probably six years ago now. We recruited Andrew out of his brother went to uh, D1 down to Long Island. Uh, and then Andrew went to St. Peter's uh, University in New Jersey, uh, started all 16 games that that D1 team was able to get in last year, uh, batted leadoff or two, all 16 games and started at shortstop and just wanted a, a different feel. He didn't want to have to feel tied down all the time by the Division One lifestyle. Right. He wanted a little freedom. Uh, basically, he just wanted a little freedom. And when I talked to him, it was a head dude. You know, our shortstop is our best player. Stephen Bryant's our best player. They know each other. Uh, he goes, yeah, I'm fine. I'll play second base. I'll play center field. I'll play left field. I'll pitch. I'll do whatever you want. And I said, all right, then I've got a spot for you. And, you know, he, he was true to his word. I mean, he came in this fall. You know, we only had three, four team practices. Uh, but he came in this fall. He worked out at second base. He worked out in the outfield. He hopped on the mound. Um you know, so those five, those four new or those three newcomers, Stephen Bryant, uh, been our best player for the last couple of years. I feel bad for him because he's a senior last year that could have graduated last December, only was registered for the one class he needed to graduate in the spring mm -hmm. and then had his spring season canceled. So he has been in Plattsburgh working this semester, this fall semester and he's back now and then uh, was planning to take one class in the spring so that he could play his senior season. And I'm hoping we get something for him, but you know, I, I just feel bad for him. But if we do get to play, man, that, that's, that's four guys right there that are pretty good. And then the, uh, the other preseason, uh, 
player to watch. We got was a kid that was a freshman last year, uh, still NCAA freshman this year, being NCAA <laughs> freshman next year. Yeah, uh, Christian Ott, who is uh, is a very athletic for us. So those five guys give us a pretty good makeup, and then we had some arms that uh, that we have some expectations from. Uh, Matt Triola is a senior that has. He's pitched in all situations for us. He was a middle of the week starter, I think, as a freshman and sophomore. And then his junior year, he was our closer. Uh, and then uh, it, this, this last year, he would have been our number one pitcher. Uh, and then this year, he'll be in the, the top of the uh, rotation. And then uh, a guy like Peter Gregory, who's a – I don't even know what year guys are anymore because it, <laughs> it's – yeah, <laughs> Peter's been here two years, but he's actually not – used any eligibility for us so right peter's a guy that you know he's a mid-80s guy that's going to come in and pitch for us and we just have sam quinn did such a great job bringing players in that we need them to play yeah i mean they haven't i felt bad for our players this fall because they didn't get to practice really for us we got to practice three or four times because they got to play baseball all summer long and then they came back to plattsburgh state and they were told no you can't Mm -hmm. do anything uh which that's Blasburg State's initiative. That's fine. Uh, but, you know, I felt bad for them that way. And then now they're they're just hanging out, hoping they get to play. Um, you know, so it's weird. It's definitely weird. As far as um, you talk about all the guys, you just mentioned a bunch of guys. You're talking about uh, super seniors. You're talking about freshmen who are going to be here for like yeah. the thir- freshmen who are going to be here for like the third year. But when you think about that and then the potential of actually getting out on the field, hopefully that becomes the case in March and April. Um, the experience level to a certain extent, I maybe not experience because they haven't necessarily played in games, but there's going to be a comfort level that you probably haven't seen in, in freshmen and, and even sophomores to a certain extent that you've ever seen before. So when you kind of think about it that way, do you think that could be a, an extra positive and an extra strength that could come out of ultimately what was a terrible thing in the pandemic? Yeah. I mean, those guys definitely got a year. I mean, the kids that were freshmen in, in last spring, definitely got a full year of practice, you know, almost a full year of practice and understanding Mm -hmm. of what we're going to try to do. Uh, So it's definitely been good for them. But like the kids that came in this fall as freshmen, we only practiced three (laughs) times and it was never, it was never a full team setting. So the the practices this fall were groups of uh, seven or eight with a coach at one time. So, uh, you know, it's the kids this fall are still brand new. Mm -hmm. Uh, but with most of our top guys that we brought in were junior college kids. So uh, junior college or transfer kids. So they've, they've had some experience at least playing baseball. Right. Uh, like I told Mike Howard yesterday, if we get to play 12 games this year, I'm playing the, I'm, I'm just playing kids and letting them play. Right. It doesn't re- it's, I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but it's more, I owe it to those four or five seniors that we have to just let them play. Yeah. And I also, and I also think too, a great thing about all this will be moving forward. It will only, it, by that playing time, different players coming in and out, the experience level, it's only going to help the program moving forward. It's not like, this. it's not like this is going to make the program set back or anything like that. So I think, and ultimately at the end of the day, that's one of the biggest goals that I think you can have. Um, yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, you know, I think our kids are, our kids have handled it well. Uh, I, <laughs> we had, we've done a real good job recruiting this fall. We have 15 commits for next fall. Uh, the issue we have right now is right now our program has 48 kids in it. Because <laughs> we, we didn't get the attrition from last year 
as far as kids that might be on the bottom of the roster going through 40 games saying, man, this isn't worth it. Or we have a few seniors that came back so that they could play again this year. And then you brought in, you know, we brought in, we brought in, I think, 13 recruits for this year. And we had a handful of walk-ons that, that just came in. And at, at that point we knew we, once we knew we weren't going to Florida for spring break, it's like, well, we don't have to cut down to 30 cause we don't have to buy plane tickets. Sure. So let's just, if you show up and do everything we ask you to do right now, you can stay in the program. <laughs> um, and ironically we have, we had 49, we now have 48, we lost one kid. So, you know, we've done pretty good there, but I kind of worry about next fall because yeah, we have a pretty, we have a real, I'm looking up at my recruit chart. We, <laughs> we, we were able to get recruits this year that in normal years we wouldn't get because D1 and D2s are all going to be backlogged. So the kids that are fringe D1, D1 players are, we're able to get some of those kids into Plattsburgh state now because they just don't have spots for them at D1 and D2. Sure. Yeah. And I, and I think, I think moving forward, like I said, I think that's only going to hopefully help the program, but yeah, if you have a log jam like that, that will certainly be an interesting predicament that you as a coach have never had to deal with before, but I guess it's a welcome problem as far as numbers. I mean, you, you know, you're picking from, you're picking from the, you know, you're picking from a huge crop of players and hopefully that's a good thing. Um, but at the same time, it's hard because you are still, it's, these are people we're talking about. They are people. Yeah. None <laughs> of them are making any money playing baseball here and I'm not making that much money, uh, you know, keeping them here. So yeah, it's tough. It's going to be tough to tell a kid that, you know, next fall that has been here for two years that all of a sudden he's been here for two years, but might not have played in a game mm -hmm. that all of a sudden, Hey, I got to get down to 35 guys and this kid's better than you. Right. But right. I appreciate all the work you did for two years. You know, it's easier if there's something you can show them, uh, you know, but there's, there's a couple of pitchers on our staff right now that uh, as freshmen last year, didn't appear in a game because we only played the two weekends. If we don't play a season this year, Oh man, they're not going to get any games. Mm -hmm. And then who knows? Yeah, absolutely. Now flip, flipping things a little, a little bit um, off from specifically baseball related, but still kind of, still kind of sports related. Um, you know, you're so, you're so dedicated. Like we just, we just talked about it for, I don't know, probably 15 minutes. We've, we talked about baseball, you know, we talked about uh, just everything that goes into coaching. Now you didn't really have to do a lot of the coaching necessarily physical coaching for the whole spring, summer and whatnot. Um, but what have you done to keep busy during the pandemic? Like what, what has been going on? Have you found any new hobbies? You know, what have you been doing to keep, what have you been doing to keep busy? <laughs> new hobbies. Uh, well, let's see. I was lucky enough that in the fall that there was, uh, well, let's go way back to when COVID started. I mean, you know, right off the bat in March, we all get sent home. So for the first time in my life, I am not waking up. Going, for the first time since I was 22 years old, I'm not waking up and going to the athletic complex for work. Mm -hmm. uh, all of a sudden, I'm waking up and I'm going to my kitchen table uh, <laughs> trying to work. But you got two little kids running around because they're trying to get on their school. Mm -hmm. uh, my wife works from home and runs her own business from home. So she's at home. So really, we're fighting for Wi-Fi and bandwidth and all sorts of different <laughs> things. Um, just trying to do things. So, uh, for me personally, once the, once the spring got over, uh, you know, started up working on the Mariners stuff for the Clinton County Mariners and, and, and trying to figure out what was going to happen there. And then, 
luckily we had Mariners baseball this summer. So that kept me a little bit busy as far as a fan, uh, being a fan and getting to go watch my son play. Um, and actually at the end of, uh, last May, yeah, last May, right before, <laughs> ironically, uh, right before South Carolina got shut down, my son Brady went and played baseball in South Carolina and North Carolina for his team USA coach. So, uh, we were in North Carolina for eight or nine days. Mm -hmm. Um, we thought he actually was going to be there all summer. Um, because we weren't sure that the Mariners were going to get started up. And then the Mariners got started up and they got shut down down there. So instead of being down there, we ended up being, uh, you know, in, in the North, sort of in the North country. I mean, we, we didn't play a lot at home. We played in Ohio. We played in Vermont. We played in Pennsylvania. So we were able to get a lot of things done with the Mariners. Um, uh, luckily school started, uh, at least soccer started, you know, so having yeah. two kids that play soccer. So Brady, uh, I was able to be a fan and go watch a lot more soccer games because I didn't have to really worry about baseball practice or, or any soccer games or facility things here at the field house. Uh, so I was able to watch Brady play varsity soccer and able to play JV soccer. Uh, and then because I didn't have fall baseball, uh, we were able to expand the Mariners uh, season. Uh, and most of the kids really didn't have sports until October. So in September, we were able to do the uh, a little bit longer Mariners travel team. So we played for five or six weekends. Basically, we lucked out. There was a, like, yeah, we would go to New Hampshire, and then after New Hampshire would get shut down. Mm -hmm. We would go to Connecticut, and all of a sudden, Connecticut. You know, it just seemed to be we were just ahead of the curve, which was great. Uh, but it was a good experience for those kids. It gave me baseball because uh, I got to coach that team. Gary didn't want to Gary Duquette didn't want to necessarily be the head coach because mm -hmm. he didn't want to have to coach his son, but he was okay with me coaching my son. Uh, you know, it just kind of worked out for us. We had three or four dads that, that would help out. And uh, we treated that. I treated that like my fall baseball here. So those kids got a couple of practices a week and then games on the weekends. So uh, we used it more as a college development program for the Mariner kids that want to go play college baseball. So, I did that. I really didn't find any new hobbies. Just in the last, the uh, week before Christmas, I I was sitting at home bored and I told my wife I was going to start working on my real estate license. So I reached out to like George Barnett and Neil Fassett and said, hey, what do I got to do here? And uh, when I retire, that's what I'm going to be doing. So just to let you know. There we go. No, that that works out. Now, as far as um, now, you you mentioned a, a bunch there. The Clinton County Mariners. They're an American Legion baseball program. Uh, it offers a lot of local baseball players here in Clinton County, and and even a little bit further than just Clinton County, the opportunity to play summer ball and the opportunity to kind of get ready for potentially the next level, get ready for college ball, and even hopefully further on from that. But um, can you explain a little bit in depth for people who don't know what exactly the Clinton County Mariners is beyond my explanation of it? Now, that's pretty good explanation. Okay, there we go. That's good. <laughs> the Clinton County Mariners, uh, what are they? I mean, it, Gary Duquette and I basically run the Clinton County Mariners right now with a, with a help from a lot of people that are amazing volunteers uh, that help us in many ways that people don't even realize. Uh, but the, the program itself is, is built around giving kids in the North Country the opportunity to play baseball at a relatively low, I don't want to say free. I mean, it is free for the most part, but if we go travel somewhere, you're going to have to pay. Sure. Um, you're going to have to 
you're going to have to stay in a hotel. You're going to have to stay in a campground. You're going to have to do whatever it is you do, but we don't charge the kids for, you know, uniforms. We don't charge the kids for hats. We don't charge the kids for entry fees, things of that nature. Uh, we're lucky enough that post 16, 19 will cover those things for us. Um, but, you know, originally going way back when, I mean, the program dates back to 1967 when post 20 ran the American Legion baseball program or sponsored it. Um, and then, uh, you know, Gary and I both played in 90 and 91 on the same teams. Um, and then get, when I came back to Plattsburgh in 2001, Harold LeClaire uh, was just taking over the program and, and uh, we, we had a long discussion as to what we can do. And I served as a advisory board member with him uh, for know, 15 years or so. Uh, and Harold did a great job uh, getting the history, getting uh, momentum built up. He started, uh, he started the junior program. Uh, he was at, he started the 14U program. And then Gary and I, in the last couple of years, added a 13U and a 12U uh, program. So, I mean, we have five teams. Uh, it really is. We're trying to give as many kids an opportunity to play baseball as we can, uh, trying to keep a lot of different factors involved, trying to keep costs down so that, you know, I don't necessarily worry about Brady Dory having enough money to play baseball, but I might have to worry about somebody else's kid not having enough money. I think the best thing about, like even this fall, we had a couple of kids whose parents, they can't take off every weekend to go bring their kid to New Hampshire, sure. Connecticut, Pennsylvania, Ohio. But uh, we had some parents chip in and say, yeah, let's, let's bring this kid. And, you know, so it, it's definitely a family affair. Um, you know, I think the, the best thing about the Mariners is just that it's, it's an oppor opportunity to grow as a baseball player, but also as an individual. I mean, yeah. I don't know. We've had like the program's been around for almost 60 years. Uh, you know, so there have been hundreds of college baseball players that have come through the Mariners post 20 program. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's also been hundreds of college football players and soccer players, you know, so it's in basketball players. So it's just, it's just gives the kids an opportunity to play the game they love a little bit longer and a little bit more competitively. If, if it works out for them that they're able to go play college baseball, then awesome. Um, we've been lucky enough in the last few years to have some really good kids come through the program uh, that have been able to attract division one and division two uh, scholarships. So it, it works out, but it, those kids probably would have got the scholarships without the Mariners program because they're talented. Sure. But, we were able to get them in front of people at the right time. I mean, it, it's, it's luck of the draw. Oh, absolutely. And that gets back to just giving the kids op different opportunities, let alone playing, but the opportunities like scholarships and whatnot as well. Now, and another opportunity that future Clinton County Mariners players are going to have is they're going to have a new field that they're going to be playing at. Um, what can you tell us about the new field that the press Republican actually covered, had a story about it, I believe in October, if, if I remember right, somewhere around there. Um, yeah, but I mean, there, there's a, uh, nice little new field. That's going to be uh, having a little field of dreams feel right at the American Legion post. <laughs> yeah. Listen, and, and, and that dates back to Harold LeClaire. I mean, Harold had that idea and vision way back when, and, uh, this fall or this summer is really when it, I started, I had so much more free time, you know, <laughs> right. in summer, uh, that I started working on it. And then, you know, we're dealing with 
usually the city of Plattsburgh, but this spring and summer, it was Randy Lozier who was uh, scheduling fields and trying to make everybody happy and give everybody some space. And I just told Gary, I said, Gary, you know, we have X amount of dollars. And, and uh, if the Legion isn't going to build us a baseball field, then maybe we talk to the city about leasing Lefty Wilson field and doing some renovations there and going from there. And he liked that idea. And we talked about it and I said, well, let me go to the American Legion and see what they say, because I, I don't want to, we didn't want to upset them in any way because they're our sponsor. Right. So we went and spoke to, to Ron Poland, who's the commander right now at the American Legion uh, with Hummer Rock, who is our baseball liaison. And uh, we went and talked to him and said, here's what we would like. What do you guys think? And, you know, within two or three weeks, they came back to us and said, Hey, we're going to build you guys a baseball field. And, uh, you know, we sat down and, and, you know, we made a little punch list of things that we, we would need and what we would need in year one, what we would need in year two and, and so on and so forth. And those guys, uh, you know, I work for the state of New York, so I gotta be careful, but <laughs> this process at the state of New York might take a little while. Those guys, decided they were building a field on Tuesday and by Thursday they were starting to work on the field. So again, it, it's, it's not about Chris Dory. It's not about Gary Duquette. It's not about the American Legion. It's about giving these kids in our community an opportunity and something to, to call their own. Yeah. It's awesome that we, that we are going to have the field, but in all likelihood, I'm only around for a couple more years. <laughs> You know, but that I think I think there's there maybe a, forever. maybe a little bit more than a couple <laughs> years. <laughs> uh, I mean, in baseball. You know, okay, okay. <laughs> but like uh, you know that that field will be there forever, and it'll be something that people can always look back on and be proud of. No different than you know what Mike Bordeaux has done with the Plattsburgh Little League fields and getting them, you know, Gerald Birdo Field and Hector Duquette Field. Uh, we have some really good fields in the north country let me rephrase that we have some very historical fields in the north country like yeah. lefty wilson field uh it, it's right there in the heart of plattsburgh and it has the it has the potential to be a really nice baseball field right and it just you know it just different things happen at different times i mean they put a lot of the city put a lot of money into it a few years back uh, but then, you know, teams use it and the Mariners use it and the CBBL uses it and it gets a lot of use. And sometimes it doesn't get the care it needs, uh, not through anybody's personal fault, just because, you know, that's how it works sometimes. Yeah. Um, and you hate to see it because I know I know Mr. Wilson is probably rolling over in his grave if he looked at Lefty Wilson Field, mm. um, you know, but like. I think the Plattsburgh Little League, I think Mike Bordeaux has done a really good job, you know, uh, up, with a lot of help from people, but, you know, having a vision for the Little League fields and the facility there. And it's nice to have nice fields for kids to play on. Right. Now, to make people laugh, when I, um, when Chris reached out to me initially about this American Legion field that we were going to have in Plattsburgh, 
Um, I went up to the Ameri- the local American Legion um, to get a photo of some of the Clinton County Mariners uh, players actually working on clearing some of the clearing some of the brush and the trees because they, they were pushing the tree line back to make the field um, to make space for the field. And when I got there, it was great. So the, the me as, as just a makeshift photographer in a certain sense was trying to get some of these kids to, you know, pose for a photo, but not exactly pose. Cause you know, that's not what we want to do, but I, we had to tell the kids, all right, yeah, just continue raking leaves and I'm going to take a photo of you here. So I, I ended up getting a nice photo of them, you know, just kind of clearing the pathway, kind of showing exactly what they were doing, why they were there. Um, but the, I think the funniest part from my outing there was the guys, some of the guys that you talked about from the American Legion specifically were out at the field. They were manning the heavy equipment and everything, and they were really cutting back on the tree line. And you initially were trying to help me get a photo of some of them. And one of the guys was like trying to help help me get a photo of some of these, you know, rugged men, I, sh- I guess we could say, try to try to get a try to get a photo of some of them working. And none of them had any interest whatsoever in their photo taken. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't like any. They don't they don't want to be directly linked to any publicity. They, uh, they're good. They're good knowing that they're doing good things without people knowing they're doing good things, which is really what it's all about. And I think the best part of that, well, the funniest part that I think you got a kick out of and some of your players was when Gary Duquette um, whistled to some of his players, but Gary happened to be right by me. And if anybody knows Gary, his whistle can pierce eardrums. And um, I lost hearing for about two hours after that. So those were the biggest things to come out of that day. But no, it's going to be exciting to see that field when it's all done. And by the way, is there any type of update on when, you know, I'm sure there might have been some with the pandemic, you never know how that's going to affect things. But any timeline on when that field might be coming to uh, to be done and there'll be actual baseball being played on it? Uh, you know, I don't actually have a timeline. I know we're going to do a couple more things to it this spring. We, we did, we were able okay. to do some more and secure, secure some more deals here this fall. Uh, oh, good. We're, we're working with a company. Well, we're working with a local company right now uh, for sponsorship of a scoreboard. Uh, we are working with a local company right now to uh, sod the infield. Um, cool. You know, the original plan has us sodding the field at the end of year one, but we're trying to get that <laughs> done now. Uh, and then we're, we're working on some dugout renovations. So there are some things, uh, there'll be baseball on there, uh, you know, as soon as American Legion baseball can start, cause we'll be the first game on the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think right now, Gary has that Gary and Billy Hunt are working with, uh, the Malone American Legion to try to make that the first game. Um, but it'll be an exciting time. I know that'll be sometime in June. I mean, Early season plans have every one of our groups being able to have a tournament up there. So the 19s will have a tournament. The 17s will have a tournament. uh, The 14s will have a tournament. And uh, the 12s will end up having a tournament at some point. So uh, it's going to be exciting for sure. And in addition to the Mariners, we, I remember when I wrote that story too, the other cool thing that you had said was it's going to be more than just for the Mariners too. This could offer potential for, you know, local high school teams and, and who knows who else, maybe, maybe Plattsburgh state might even play a game there. Who knows? But I think that was another cool thing that we touched upon in this story. And I'm sure, I'm sure that still makes you very happy to know that this is going to be a field obviously for American Legion Clinton County Mariners first, but it's going to offer opportunities for all of North country baseball. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think back to when I was really young, uh, MAI had a baseball field that had lights on it. You had Lefty, well, it wasn't Lefty Wilson then. It was Bailey Avenue then. And, 
they had a couple of lit fields where they played baseball. And I think night baseball is an exciting thing. So, um, you know, once we get the field finalized, there'll be an opportunity for us to host uh, maybe a high school game of the week, per se, something like that, where where we can get some kids the opportunity to play under the lights up there. So we're looking forward to different things. Now we talked about all this North country sports stuff. And one of the things that I'm sure you'd love to talk about, and, and I, I know I do it every week with one of the, one of the features in the press Republican is the looking back feature, which if people don't know, um, I go back into the archives and I look at different sporting events from 10, 20, 30, 40, so on, all the way back to 80 years ago, all the way back to 1940 when basketball games were about 20 to 10 for a final score. And, um, but the cool thing about that is like going back in the archives, seeing different things from different North country sports history. And, and Chris, I know that you kind of like to do that as well, just sometimes in your free time and looking at different, different types of records and whatnot, but what makes you enjoy just the North country sports history angle of things and going back in the archives and just kind of looking at different things from time to time. Yeah. You know, it's just, uh, I'm a history major by trade, you know, (laughs) history. So I like to do research and, and find out different things. I, I think uh, if I could pinpoint that, I think it really has to go back to uh, being a little kid at Peru school. I mean, I grew up uh, when Peru was, <laughs> I'll say it, they were just pretty, they were awesome at sports. Mm-hmm. I and mean, I was around some of the best high school coaches this area has seen uh, with Coach Riggs, the wrestling coach, and then Coach Bove, who was the football coach. But he's mostly known as the football coach, but he also basically started the Peru – he didn't start it, but he made the Peru track program into one of the best track programs in the area. Uh, you know, and then Coach Paparo was still – the base, old baseball coach was still kicking around. So I was able to be around those guys and just to hear – coach Riggs talk about his wrestling program and, and how he had only ever lost five matches in his career. (laughs) He could tell me, he could tell me the five matches he lost. And then, you know, to see coach Bove and to, I was lucky enough to be around coach Bove a lot. um, And to, to see his passion for football, but also to see his passion for track. And then he coached baseball for a little while. Um, You know, it just, it just gets your, your mind going. And, uh, I always wanted to do, it really did start with football and wrestling. I just kind of wanted to put together, I had in my, the back of my mind, you know, Hey, why don't I write a book on the, the Peru wrestling winning streak? Um, yeah. Cause for a long time, they had the longest winning streak in the nation. Uh, and it was just something that got my mind going. I said, oh, let's do some research on it. And then I was like, well, screw this. I'll just, I'll do it all. And, you know, I went, <laughs> I went through the archives and, and just found every Peru wrestling match that I could find. And, uh, you know, I'm still missing a few um, from a couple of years, but that really is what got it started. And then I was like, well, you know, the football program has been so good at Peru. Let's, let's see if I can get every football game. And, and football was a lot easier because the games were on Fridays and Saturdays. So, right. you know, researching it was a lot easier. And then <laughs> the season, one game a week, it was a lot easier than wrestling. Um, and then, you know, being a baseball guy, it just kind of said, ah, let's, let's put together a baseball record book. And, and it just kind of spun off from there, spun out of control, really, you know, as far as different things. I mean, for a few years, I did a website, section7sports.com. Um, and then uh, yeah, that just became too hard for me to do as, after my job. Yeah, for right. no money. I mean, I wasn't making any money. <laughs> I wanted to, you know, the plan was to do similar to North Country Sports, 
uh, .net. And then I was like, well, I'd have to sell advertising and I'd have to do all this stuff and I, I can't do this. Um, you know, so that just kind of fell by the wayside. And then uh, the CVBL is uh, probably what came next. I mean, I, I researched every game in the CVBL history. Um, yep. you know, I have every result from a CVBL game that can be out there. That's uh, crazy. And for people who don't know, CVBL is the Champlain Valley Baseball League. And, um, that it's basically a, what would you describe it as Chris? Just a, you know, a recreational summer men's yeah. baseball league. I mean, it's more than just people sometimes hear the word recreational and think, Oh, it's just kind of fun baseball. It's very competitive. It's, it's had a long standing tradition in, in North country sports, but I feel like that might be a good way to describe it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's more recreational now than when I grew yeah. up, for sure. But it was still recreational then. Um, yeah. But, it, you know, a little bit less competitive now other than a few teams. But it, uh, it, it that has a great history. I mean, that dates back to 1971. Uh, but I think it just, you know, talking to like Mr. Garrow and Coach Butler and, and hearing them talk about the good old days and, you know, and my brother Jeff uh, – he graduated 1980. So, you know, he's 10 years older than I am. So he's got the good old days too. <laughs> um, you know, everything is better back when those guys played. Same thing I do to my son now. Oh, we were a lot better. Than yeah. Him. Right. So, right. Uh, you know, it's, it's fun. I, I just like data and I like trying to find different things. Um, I think that we have a tendency to forget things. You know, we would remember, uh, listen, right now I, I think about the Saranac super chiefs, Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night, you know, it's basketball season. (laughs) I'm thinking of the best basketball teams in the North country. Yeah. I don't think there's ever going to be anyone better than that group. Um, But you know, it's, it's cool. It's uh, I I wish that I could do more with it as far as sharing it, but it's just hard. Yeah, no, I, and I, I I can totally understand that. And um, the, you, you talked about it a lot, especially for, from the Peru standpoint, but you know, you've been involved in North Country sports for so long on so many different levels. Um, I've always kind of thought this, especially even since I started working at the press, even before even before that, just, you know, I, I'm a local kid. I, I played three different sports all the time in high school. And um, the North Country sports scene just has a, a different feel about it sometimes. It's got that just, I, I don't know, it's, it's, it's tough to describe, but it's, it's that wholesome, really everybody's kind of united, but everybody at the same time might be at each other's throats because you're competing against each other. Um, but the North Country sports scene from generation to generation just continues on. But how would you kind of describe the uniqueness of what sports is like up here at a local level? Oh, that's tough. You're going to get me in trouble probably. <laughs> uh, well, I, I've lived it from a whole bunch of different sides. I mean, I've lived it as uh, as a fan, as a kid growing up. I lived it as an athlete myself. Uh, I live it as a college baseball coach here in the North Country. And then I live it as a parent. Yeah. Um, you know, I think uh, it's highly competitive. It's definitely, you know, hey, listen, I want uh, it, this. It pains me to say this, but I have to root for Saranac all the time now. <laughs> You know, if we're playing Peru, I can't root for Peru. Right. Um, you know, so it, it's different. I think there's be, because there's not a lot of movement of people. I mean, I grew up here. Um, I was able to leave for a while, but I'm here now and my kids are here in the North Country. You know, there's so many names that if you look in the paper, if we had a basketball game tonight, you'd look in the paper tomorrow. You'd see basketball names that you would see in the paper 25 years ago. Right. It's not, it's not the same person. It is the same family, same relatives. 
um, you know, so I think there's just a lot of familiarity. And um, like I said, I mean, I graduated from Peru 30 years ago, but I still hope they win almost all the time. Sure. You know, it's just one of those things. Um, I think we have, we, it's hard for our athletes to get recognized because we're in such a, we're in such a location that there's not, there's not a lot of colleges coming to upstate New York. No. All right. So it is tough for those kids to get recognized. Um, but we've done a real good job. I mean, we've had some, some really good cross country athletes. We've had some really good soccer players. We've had some basketball players that have succeeded, uh, baseball players that have played professionally. We've had a few football players that, that have played division one football and then been lucky enough to go get a crack at the pros. Um, softball has got an upswing and then the track kids, we've had some swimmers. I mean, we have the ability to, to do it. I think, um, me being around college sports all the time helps and hurts because, uh, as far as my family goes, because I'll be realistic with my son sometimes, or I'll be realistic with the parents standing next to me. Um, it is great to have dreams and I will never squash a kid's dream. Sometimes I'll tell a parent they got to come back to life. (laughs) It's a good way. It's a good way of putting it. And it, and it's true because you have that, um, no, you know, you, you, you talk about, it's the age old saying every, everybody gets a trophy. You have that type of culture. Um, and then you have the cultures of the past where it's like, you got to work hard for what you, what you want, what you want to get, what you want to accomplish. And there's a fine line between those two. And I feel like all those cultures, and like we talk about the North country sports scene, the history of it, all those cultures kind of mesh together now, because there's different mindsets from different people. I think that's a great way to put it. Now, as far as, um, we talked about, the you know covering local sports the press republican a little bit i feel like we might have buried the lead here but for a little bit of time you worked at the press republican yeah some of my fondest memories are working (laughs) at the press republican um yeah you know uh when i was playing and ironically does date back to when i played american legion baseball john courier was the guy that covered post 20 when i played and uh they were they needed a part-time guy when i graduated high school uh, I went to Cortland out of high school and then came back. I uh, got mono and came back to Clinton. <laughs> and uh, when I came back, John goes, hey, we need a part-timer here. You want to come in? Uh, and I said, well, what do I got to do? He goes, can you write a sentence? <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, John, I can write a sentence. And, uh, you know, I went in and met with Mr. Getz, and I still call him Mr. Getz. <laughs> uh, went in and spoke with him and... Uh, Got hired at the Press Republican and was the part-timer while I was at Clinton Community College for, you know, a year and a half. And then whenever I came home from Stony Brook over Christmas break, when, you know, you guys get inundated with tournaments and basketball games and wrestling, uh, they would hire me. And then even when I came back here to work at Plattsburgh State, uh, anytime they would need a stringer for for a baseball game or a football game, or a playoff basketball game, uh, Mr. Getz would give me a call and see if I would be interested in that 50 bucks. There you go. uh, For a little while I would do it, but now it's not worth it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I can totally, I can totally understand that. And as far as John saying that, as far as John saying that, can you write a sentence? That's not exactly a ringing endorsement for the sports department. Listen, I got nothing. I worked with some really good guys. I mean, obviously John Courier is one of my favorites, but you know, Mr. Getz, uh, awesome. He was great to me. Uh, but I worked with like, uh, Mark Lawrence was really good. And then, uh, Greg Claus was there 
and then I was there uh, on and off, you know, working a little bit when uh, Steve Ouellette first got here. Sure. Uh, you know, so it's cool. Those guys, it was great to be around those guys, listen to those guys complain. Uh, <laughs> bicker John and John and Mark and Greg would bicker at each other. And uh, at a certain point, it made Mr. Getz pull his hair out. Yeah, right. Exactly. And so can you run us through, so this is going really inside baseball here, but so uh, Bob Getz called John Coyer Duke. Do you remember that at all? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Why did he call him Duke? That, I, I don't have any answer for that. that it, was the there were some weird nicknames. <laughs> yeah. That was the nicest thing he called him. Yeah. It's yeah. I'm I, John Coyer is, if you want, I, I, I feel like this isn't an exaggeration. He is a North country sports legend on so many levels, whether or not he was a player in different things. Um, but honestly, probably more just as a sports writer. I mean, he's, he's written at the press forever. I mean, heck, he still helps me out here from time to time. And yeah, um, he's amazing. just a, he's just a, I'm sure you can relate to this. He's just such a good presence to have because he's had so much experience and honestly, no matter how stressful an environment is, no matter how many games are coming in and need to be reported on, he always keeps a level head. Now he might complain like a little girl from time to time, but you know, overall, yeah, I think he, I think he does a pretty good job at things. <laughs> John, I have, I have a couple of stories about John. So John, um, when I worked at the press Republic and the, the press covered the expos daily, Mark Lawrence sure. was the beat, the beat writer for the expos at the time. Uh, and every now and again, he would let John pick a game and go up. And uh, John picked a game and asked me if I wanted to go up and work. And I was like, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, work. Uh, you know, so I parked my car in the parking lot and John goes, yeah, just park it there. It'll be okay. And uh, <laughs> we go up to Montreal. I'll remember the game, Kent Bottenfield. I, he had a really good season for the Expos that year. And I talked to him and he just, he talked about his changeup and things of that nature uh, John covered the game. I did the little sidebar and, uh, we get back from Montreal now 12, one o'clock and uh, we pull into the press Republic and, and my car is not there. Oh no. It's <laughs> like, where's my car? And, and, you know, we get inside and, oh yeah, we didn't know whose car it was. So we had to tow it. So one of the, no. back in. so my car got towed, we got back, my car had been towed to Dubray's and I uh, had to get it the next day. The press reimbursed me for the towing, though. Okay. They probably wouldn't do that to you now, but they did me. No, uh, they, they wouldn't. And then, you know, John always talked about John. John is a guy that uh, will never tell you that he was a good athlete, but I'm assuming he was. I know he was a really good basketball player. Right. Competitive basketball player. Yeah. Uh, and he was a he was a really good softball pitcher. The only year I ever played slow pitch softball, John was our pitcher and we won the title. Um, and then. Uh, I know his baseball pitching. I have two baseball ones. Uh, he was pitching, and I think he said he was pitching for Altona. And he always talked about how he gave up a line drive between the legs that went out of the park. <laughs> and that was always one of his ones. And then it must have been 1994, 95, one of the last years I played CDBL. Uh, and he was he he got pressed into duty for the Mud Hens. Uh -huh. he, was playing, he was playing left field, and I remember he. He had an adventure on a ball I hit, and I never let him live it down. <laughs> I always like to remind him, but John is John is one of those influences, you know, like uh, people would see him in the building, and it would be like, oh, hey, John. It, he just 
he has a lightheartedness about him that makes everybody happy. Yeah. And I, he probably wouldn't appreciate that. Uh, yeah. But, he, you know, he has that kind of feeling. I mean, he can make our baseball players feel at ease. I know he made the men's hockey players feel at ease when he was talking with them. He was probably one of the few guys that could make Bob Emery relax a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and John is uh, just a great guy to be around. John's war stories sometimes from covering Bob Emery, who, if people don't know, is the legendary Pottsburg State uh, men's hockey coach. Um, he's got some good ones. Unfortunately, probably none are okay to share on the podcast. But if people really want to know, maybe you can ask John and maybe John will tell you one. Um, but regardless, yeah, John has been great. And especially this past year, there's been a lot of turnover in the, uh, in the sports department here. And John has been so crucial to me, helping me out on days where we might be light staff. So for John to still, uh, we talked about going back in the archives, John's byline appears in the archives going back, I think almost to 1980 or a little bit after that. So for people to, for, for people to put that in perspective, he's been at this for over 40 years now. And um, he, he, he doesn't miss a beat. And you, you want to talk, you want to talk about someone who you could say is out of touch with local sports now compared to when he covered it. He's not, he's not, he's still right with it just like any day. Um, so I think that's really cool to see. And it's fun to um, last year, well, two years ago, actually, he covered a sectional soccer game for me in person. And uh, when he showed up there, he, I, people were like, Oh my God, it's John. It was like, they were seeing a God. <laughs> it's like John Coyer's here. So no, I figured that would be fun to talk about a little bit. And yeah, I'm sure you, you must, you must've had a lot of fun at the press at different times. And yeah, I can't blame you now. I mean, the 50 bucks back then was pretty good, but unfortunately I don't think the freelance budget is much more now. Uh, so, so we'll leave I think it. We'll, I might've said that to get, he might've called me at the tail end of his career and said, yeah, we'll give you 50 bucks. I said, you were giving me 50 bucks 20 years ago. Yeah. Unfortunately, inflation hasn't hit the newspaper industry too much. Um, yeah. But Hey, to wrap things up, we got, we'll call Why don't we call it uh hit and run since you're a baseball coach here. We'll, we'll have it. We'll have a little bit of fun stuff here. So we have three, I have three categories of some quick questions to ask you. We have the arts category, which you're probably like, oh boy, but it's not really that crazy. And then we have some lifestyle questions and then we have some sports questions. So here we go. You ready? You got it. All right. So favorite actor. Oh, favorite actor. I like Kurt Russell. Okay. From uh, Miracle like or him. like what I like sports? I from Miracle, but I like him from like Overboard. Like okay. from some different things. But I also like... Uh, uh, Brady and I have been on a diehard kick here. So, okay. Uh, you know, Bruce Willis a little bit in action there. Uh, but yeah, Kurt Russell, I think is, uh, is the guy at the top of my list. Kurt Russell, the one movie he, he threw me off in, but he does a really good job. And I don't know if you've watched any of the fast and furious movies. Um, no, I he, haven't. He's, he's, in, one of he's those? in one of those and it's so bizarre, it, but it's like, wow, he does a really good job. <laughs> when he first appeared, I was like, wow, Herb Brooks is in Fast and Furious. He's talking to Vin Diesel. Listen, I, 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 I've seen Kurt Russell in the Christmas Chronicles and the Christmas Chronicles. Sure. Too, so, I mean, sure. I've seen them all. <laughs> hey, that tells you he's a good actor. He's a good actor. Yeah. All right. Flip side of that favorite actress. Oh, favorite actress. That's a tough one, actually. I don't know that I have a favorite actress. Okay. Um, God, that is, I don't get stumped very often. Uh, <laughs> uh, my wife will, I'll go with Jennifer Aniston. Okay. Okay. There we go. That works. That works. Favorite movie. Ooh, favorite movie. 
uh, stay on a sports team. Uh, I really do like Miracle, but I, I think uh, Bull Durham is one of my favorite movies okay. of all time. That makes sense. I could see that. I could see that. Now, favorite, um, and this could be like anything, favorite type of music? I'm a Springsteen fan. Bruce Springsteen? So, yeah. All right. But, I, all right. Yeah, but anything 80s is good for me. Have you, did you, have you ever seen Springsteen live anywhere? I've seen him probably seven or eight times. Really? Really? I okay. Never, I've been a Springsteen fan my whole life, but I never, ever saw him live until I, mar- until I met my wife and uh, we were married. And the first day I ever saw Springsteen live, we swept a doubleheader against Oneana on opening day. It's the first games we ever played at Chip Cummings Field. Oh, and then cool. that night I went and saw Springsteen in Montreal, but it was all because of my wife. That's awesome. All right. So last one for the arts favorite. So you said Bruce Springsteen, so we might actually just have to go with this, but favorite artist or band. Yeah, I'm sticking with Springsteen. Stick with Springsteen. Okay, (laughs) perfect. All right. Now to the lifestyle questions, by the way, I made up these categories. These might not match what these questions are, but all right. Favorite midnight snack. Uh, Mike and Ike's. I love Mike and Ike's. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Favorite color. Blue. Peru blue. Same thing. All right. I got it. Same thing. I got the blue as well. Pancakes or waffles? Pancakes. Why? I don't know. There's just something about the holes in the waffles that bug me. <laughs> I, and, I, that, and when you go to the hotels, I mean, we spend a lot of time in hotels. I hate having to make waffles. I'm always I, the guy that burns them. I agree. I agree with the, the whole waffle thing because it's the texture. It can cut the top of your mouth a little bit. Sometimes. Just a little bit. Uh, the pancake is safer. There you it's, go. It, it absolutely is. All right. Final one for this one. Dream car. Dream car. Oof. Probably a, like a, I'm old. So it's probably going to be a DeLorean. Okay. I like that. Old school DeLorean. Yeah. I like that. Now on to the sports stuff. Favorite male athlete. Uh, that's a toss up. I, I think, uh, as a kid, uh, Dave Winfield, I think is one of the best athletes our world has ever seen. Sure. Uh, obviously we all know him as a baseball player, uh, but drafted in basketball, drafted in football. Uh, but I, I loved Larry bird. Okay. Uh, you know, for competitiveness, but Winfield and bird, uh, are probably my two favorite athletes growing up for sure. Okay. Favorite female athlete. Chris Everett was my favorite female athlete. I probably had a crush on her. (laughs) That works. That works. That works. (laughs) Um, Favorite sport other than baseball? You know, I really don't have one, but I do love (laughs) – no, I say that. When I'm not doing baseball, like even uh, if Michelle and I take our annual trip to New York City, uh, she loves going to the baseball games, and I love going to Broadway. I I like to try to escape from baseball. Okay, okay. Uh, but I love football. I will watch football every weekend. Okay. Now on the flip side of this, it'll make you laugh. Least favorite sport. <laughs> Least favorite sport, man. We got, we got a lot of things that are called sports now. So, well, uh, yeah, you could keep it like kind of things like, man, I don't really like to watch this something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I don't, I love to play golf. I'm no good at golf. So I think that would be my least favorite sport. Okay. Just, I can't do it. Yeah. Say, that's the same thing with me. So the funny thing with golf side, little side story here in high school, I played baseball as a kid all the way up through ninth grade at Seton Catholic. Well, not at Seton Catholic, but I played baseball. And then my last year was at Seton Catholic. The baseball team at Seton got cut. So and well, we could talk about least favorite sports. I don't mean to hate on this because I, I respect it. But the options at that point were to play golf, track, or tennis. 
I wasn't about to run a tennis, a tennis racket. doesn't really fit well. So I went with golf because I wasn't going to do nothing in the spring. So I did golf my first year. I was awful. Absolutely awful. Right up until the last match, I ended up winning. Then throughout, I kind of got a little bit better. Now, after high school, I didn't play golf as much. I envy the people who can just like go a year without swinging a golf club, then go back out on the golf course and they just, they pick it up like nothing. I can't do that. So that's one of the things with me too. I like golf. I like trying to play, but of late, it's not going too well for me. <laughs> yeah. You, you have to play golf all the time. To yeah. It's, it's the, it. it's the repetition and muscle memory. It yeah. absolutely is. Now here we go with, uh, these are the two last ones that are kind of more, a little bit in depth. Um, what would you want to do as a job if you weren't a baseball coach? God, you know, uh, Jason Packer, our trainer, and Adam Krinsky, our equipment manager. We were talking about that yesterday, hoping we were going to hit the Mega Millions. <laughs> what we would do if we were nobody won that, by the way. Nobody won. I know. I'll be buying it. You know what? I, we talked about it for like 20 minutes, but I didn't buy a ticket. So, <laughs> so I think maybe that's a sign that nobody won. Okay. Um, my degree is in American history. Uh, okay. I, subst- I substitute taught for three days at Peru after I graduated from Stony Brook. <laughs> And I moved back to Long Island on that Friday. Really? I, I was only home for four days and I moved back. I just, wow. I, uh, what, what would I do? Um, I imagine it would have been something in the teaching world. Uh, mm-hmm. If I wasn't a coach, what would I like to do? Oh, man, I don't know. I'd like to be independently wealthy. <laughs> hey, you mentioned the real estate. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely, I'm going to do something where I can interact with people. I don't want to be a salesman. Uh, like per se, I don't want to go sell cars or anything, but, um, you know, houses. Yeah, I think I can do that. I was speaking of the mega millions, by the way, funny little story that you'll get a kick out of. This has nothing to do with the podcast basically whatsoever, (laughs) but we'll talk about it anyway. So I was at Stewart's yesterday in Peru and I had filled, I, I like to, I don't like to do the quick picks. I like to have fun and like fill out the numbers. So I got a card, went back out to my truck, filled it out, then went back in and, and handed it in. Now, with social distancing and everything, when you're at, at Stewart's, I'm trying to like be polite and stay, remain socially distant. It was very confusing. I don't know if you've been in the Peru Stewart's at all, but the new Peru Stewart's. The way, they've redone it. No. Okay. So the way the register is, it's a little like, it's kind of, I don't, it's hard to figure out like where people are actually supposed to line up. So you have to kind of actually like go from time to time. All right, where are people lining up this time? So when I walk in, there's one woman kind of standing like straight on from the register. There's kind of a line from the side facing the register. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm just going to stand behind this woman because this side of the line is shorter. (laughs) So I stood there and then there's this, this older lady, um, sweet lady, I'm sure. But she was very, um, a little, little snippy to me. She's like, the line's behind me. And I said, okay, sure, no problem. And I just kind of remained where I was because I didn't want to get too close to people. And um, so she, she, had a, she had a Mega Millions ticket as well. So she handed in her Mega Millions ticket and uh, her card, I should say, to get the ticket. And she, the, the cashier put it through the register and it came back and she said, no, uh, you didn't fill out the Mega, Mil- the Mega Ball. So if, you, if people aren't familiar on the Mega Millions card, there's like all the pink numbers and then there's the Mega Ball number, which are white. So you have to fill out that. So I see this lady go away and then I go right up to the register and I hand my Mega Millions card in. It's all good. Comes back. So I'm walking out. I have my Mega Millions ticket. I'm all good. This same woman who was snippy to me, she goes, where's the Mega Ball numbers? I can't find them. <laughs> 
and uh and she uh and i said oh it's right there and she's like oh thank you so much and i was like yeah that's what you get for being snippy with me there you go. <laughs> um but anyways yeah i think it's up to like 715 million now i don't need it all. i really just need one yeah one same. million i don't same. even need i don't need more than that all right we'll make a deal here okay so i'm gonna get another mega million ticket if i win i'll slide you a mill if you win you slide me a mill we'll call it even Listen, that is on it's on tape. I've yep. got this recorded. I don't know how to do that. But. There we go. Now, final question. Okay. Biggest inspiration you have had as an athlete or a coach? Biggest inspiration. Oh, man. That's a, that's a tough one. I know. That's the, way uh, we're, that's the way we're going to wrap it up. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I think back to some things. Like, I think back to when I was a kid player. Um you know, my brother Jeff was was always the guy I looked up to as far as uh, playing sports and, and trying to follow in his footsteps uh, as a coach. Um, you know, Coach Sank at Stony Brook has meant so much to me as a mentor, as a friend, but just giving me the opportunity and then always being there for me. Um, my wife inspires me all the time as far as uh you know, doing better, being better, whatever it is. I mean, she's always given me ideas to help myself out, to help the team out. Uh, my kids inspire me to be the best, but I think uh, the most inspirational thing that, that I've had happen to me, um, God, they'll probably break down here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Brian Meehan played baseball. He's a local kid, played from Plattsburgh High School, played baseball for me here uh, in 2006. Uh, diagnosed with cancer in 2007, died in 2008. In 2010, uh, well, in 2009, one of his former teammates, Joey Painter, uh, also another local kid from Osable Valley, uh, came to me with an idea that said, hey, we got to figure out a way to uh, honor Brian's memory, do something for Brian. And, and we came up with the Brian Man Be the Match event. And uh, and then to see Joey, Joey and I were the first two people that got swabbed. And then, you know, three, four months later, Joey finds out that Joey is a match to save somebody's life. Mm-hmm. And uh, when, and when Joey called me to tell me that and, uh, and that he was going to go through with the process, uh, that's probably the most uh, gratifying thing that has happened to me as the baseball coach or as an athlete, knowing that I was, somewhat responsible for helping save a life. Joey's person was a a father of two young kids uh, and and Joey was able to save that person's life. And then as we've continued on with the Brian B me and be the match, we've had eight or nine matches that we know of that have saved other people's lives. And, and and I could, I could talk about, I've been a college baseball coach for 25 years. Uh, I could talk about wins over Cortland. I could talk about, uh, you know, being 30 and 10, I could talk about this kid, that kid, but knowing that I helped have some small part of saving nine or 10 lives in my lifetime, mm-hmm. I think that's the best thing that I could have ever done. And um, I, I think that's great. And um, to uh, to add on to that a little bit. So each year you got, well, normally without yeah. a pandemic, <laughs> without a pandemic, obviously, um, you guys have a day at SUNY Plattsburgh where um, you have a, a tape. A, a ta- can you run me through it a little bit? You know where I'm going, like with a table yeah. and you have swabbing so, set up. Yeah, we usually take one of the rooms in the Angel College Center and we'll have a few tables set up where we collect uh, bone marrow, we're not bone marrow. We're collecting swabs. <laughs> yes. swabs. 
It'd be awesome if you were just collecting bone marrow. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. come on in. We'll do the bone marrow right here. Uh, You know, we're collecting cheek swabs to find out if you're a potential match. And even if you do the cheek swab, it doesn't mean you have to agree to save somebody's life. But once you put it in those terms, typically people are going to say, yeah, I'll do that to save somebody's life. So uh, we've done it. This we've done it for nine years. This done it for nine years or 10 years. And uh, 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 each year it's, you know, over a hundred people. It's, 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 it's a small number, but it's a large number for, for events like, like what we're doing. So, you know, we've had a few thousand donations as far as cheek swab goes and to have, you know, like I said, to have nine or 10 people's lives be saved by people at Plattsburgh state that just randomly walk in because they're friends with somebody on the baseball team, or they're in a class with somebody on the baseball team. And then to say that, yeah, you know what, I'm going to save this person's life. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I think that's, that's so cool. And I have never um, really had the chance just time-wise to do that. But if you guys do that this year and it works out, I will, I will be swinging by and doing that because I think, like you said, it's such an easy thing to do. And it, it's something that uh, can literally save lives. And when you put it in perspective like that, why wouldn't you want to do it? Um, so I think, so I think that's really cool. And, and yeah, for anybody who wants to, to pitch in with that, what, when do you guys usually do that? It's usually around May, right? In yeah, an idea, you know, in an it, ideal world. Yeah, this year it was going to actually be May 5th, but uh, that's probably not going to happen. Right. Uh, <laughs> so we'll be talking to the be the match people to, to find out some way to do it. I know they're doing similar. They're doing something where it's uh, socially distant, where you fill out all the forms online and they'll send you the swab kit and then you send it back. So uh, we're trying to figure out some of that process as far as how we can help. But it's definitely something that we will do after this pandemic is over and get their scenario set up a little bit better. No, that's awesome. And, and what's, what's also awesome, I just realized we've been talking for about an hour. So I really, I really appreciate you, you taking the time and I'm sure people will probably get a kick out of listening to this and they'll listen to us talk about a, we, we really kind of hit everything. We went, we went sad. We went emotional. We went laughing. We went everything. So I think this was a pretty good uh, episode. And like I said, this is the Jordan episode. This is the 23rd episode. So it only makes sense to have a, be- a baseball coach on, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, he was, a, he was a heck of a baseball player. <laughs> I mean, that's what he's really known for. I mean, his time with the yeah. Chicago White Sox minor league teams. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, he made the Birmingham Barons a you know a household name for a little while. Yeah, absolutely. But anyways, I appreciate you coming on, and we'll have we'll have to have you come on again because this was fun. We'll have we'll have more time to talk about John Coyer stories and, and Mr. Get stories and all that fun stuff. Definitely, <laughs> I'm up for it whenever you need me. I appreciate you asking me. Yeah, sounds good. No problem at all. But anyways, why well, I appreciate everyone for listening. And as Joe Latempio like to says at the end of every every episode, since this is the Jordan episode, we wish you all a little weak side help. 